Race Hard Parking brought to you by Right Honda and Right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Jay Finning. I still, I'm still trying to catch up on sleep from NS Expo, which is, seems like so long ago now. Coming up in a few minutes after this word from Foil Online, I don't even think it's a few minutes from now. She is El Victoria Hills and Clutch. Been following on Instagram for a while, a few years, and she's kind of been playing, kind of Instagram tagged to uh, get the opportunity to get her on this show. So I've been kind of teasing this for a while. This, this was recorded probably a month ago, but we had a really great conversation. And, you know, she's one of those women in the automotive world that she's an enthusiast, just like everybody else. She knows her stuff. Find out how she learned all her stuff. But she's got a lot going on. She's doing it a certain way. She's doing it the classy way. There's no wrong or, or right way to do it, but I do like the way El Victoria is doing it. So coming up after Foil Online, El Victoria, Hills and Clutch. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Foil Online. For over a decade, Foil Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4Wheel Online, the number 4Wheel Online. GSL Victoria, heels and clutch. Welcome to Hard Parking. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. In fact, I'm I'm glad you're on here because I've been dragging a little bit and I need to get more quality people on my show. Not that when I do my solo episodes, it's not any good, but I've been kind of, I don't know if this sounds like Instagram stalking you for a little bit. Like, okay, what's she about? What's her content? What's she really doing? You know, she's, I want to know her story. And so here we are today. This is this is stamped. This is going in stone. This is going to be broadcast to everybody in the world. <laughs> Tell me about Heels and Clutch. I know you're involved in more things, but where does Heels and Clutch come from? The name Heels and Clutch was just some clever wordplay on things that I enjoy, cars and shoes. I think <laughs> a lot of people can connect and relate to that. So the page or social media simply started when my oldest and I started revisiting automotive events. And we'd go to car show or a car meet or some event. And I'd want to get pictures with the car. And he would insist that I would take a picture with the car. So I'd have, you know, I could remember and it was more than just a camera roll full of car pictures. And despite uh what people, you know, what I would portray. I really don't like taking pictures. So I um, would position myself in a way and I'd say, okay, just get my shoes or focus on my shoes. So he would take pictures and it would be me in my shoes. And so, you know, I had all these pictures and they, my kids were getting into social media and, you know, not wanting to be a stalkery parent, but wanting to keep tabs on what they were sure. doing. I started an in page with all these pictures that I had and that was honestly the creation of Hilton Clutch and then I started looking at other you know photos and things like that that was the creation of it from an automotive standpoint so that's kind of how it got started and uh, he and I would go to a lot of events together it was some one-on-one quality time and 
we we did a, a ton of that. And, you know, as life progresses and things change, he got a little busier, but I stayed, you know, I continued to go to events and things with the new friends that I'd made. Um, that's kind of how that got started from that perspective, um, from a social media perspective. But I'm not sure if that's what you were really asking. No, absolutely. That's actually a really cool kind of origin story of the name because you never really know. Like sometimes it's it's just something as simple as that. Like the name doesn't come first. Like the hard parking, I think the first three or four episodes when I had my original co-host, we had no idea what we're going to call this podcast. And now it's just me. And it's like, all oh. right. It's hard parking, you know, so you, you you never really know, but it's catchy and yeah. it's stuck with you. Cars, what did your, like, when did that click for you? When did you decide that, uh, you know, what, what was the origin of that, I guess? The origin for cars, now that's been just long held. Uh, I've always, uh, I, I learned about cars primarily uh, as a, like a four-year-old, five-year-old girl in the summertime my mother was at work and I would go with my father, you know, sometimes during the day who drove a taxi cab. My dad drove a taxi cab and I would ride with him around and, you know, it was me. I count the money, you know, or give change and things like that. But oftentimes I get bored <laughs> or I'd be talking and my dad didn't know what to talk to me about. So he would ask me or quiz me or, you know, tell me about cars, which he loved. So we'd be riding around and he'd ask me, you know, questions like, okay, you know, what car is that? You know, and so I learned the make, you know, then I learned the model, then I learned the trends. Then he would ask me, okay, so does that, is that a four cylinder, a six, is that an eight? So it just grew like that. So I had, I started learning about this car basics and then he eventually started his own car service where he had some Cadillacs and things and hired people. And so being a small, you know, business owner, he did a lot of stuff himself at home, which meant I got to help him. I would, you know, help him wash the cars and detail the cars, but he also was changing the brakes or, you know, belts or wipers or, you know, stuff that he could do at home without a ton of equipment. And so I'd go out there with him and help him with that. Um, at that time, I was an only child. So you know, I spent a ton of time with my dad. So that was like my first introduction to cars was spending time with my dad. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really cool. But you, you kept with it. Was there a time where you kind of like let cars go and then eventually came back to them? Uh, I mean, for, for the greater part, I'd always been interested. Uh, there was a time I want to say, I think it was about nine years old when my dad uh, he bought this old Mercury Cougar. It was, I think it was a 68 Cougar. And we started working on that together. Little things, um, taking it off. It was going to be my first car. And so we had all kind of stuff done to the car. Uh, I really wanted a, like a 68 Camaro, but that was not in the budget, my dad said. <laughs> so he tried to get me something as similar as he could for the budget. So that was it. Um, but so we worked on that. And I want to say I was like like 13 years old and somebody stole it from in front of our house. So that was really sad. So through that point, I was still, you know, up until that time, I was still helping and and still paying attention to cars and the stuff. So I have a lot of, you know, a a very big soft spot for muscle cars, American muscle cars, which I don't think most people know that. But um, I'd say probably during like high school, 
you know, I was um, involved in performing arts and other stuff in the yearbook and uh, played basketball, which I wasn't very good at. I enjoyed it. But uh, so there was that break, I'd say, you know, during high school that I wasn't really doing as much with cars. Um, but when I turned 18, I got an E30 BMW because my parents knew that that's what I wanted. Nice. <laughs> so, Very nice. Um, yeah. So that was like my first car at 18. And so, you know, there was a short period in there that I wasn't really crazy about cars, but they never really go away. I think if you really love something, it doesn't really go away. So I have to ask the the question that listeners are probably curious of. So you're getting into high school. You know, what is that like when the guys are wanting to date you or you want to date the guys and you actually more know about car, you know more about cars than they do? What was that? Do you have any, <laughs> cause it just had to have happened a, a ton of times in your life. Uh, yeah. Past and present tense. Right. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I think sadly for me at the, you know, I always looked at it as like an opportunity, like for bonding because since I knew about cars, I didn't think that I had any special knowledge or anything about cars. Um, I just assumed that guys would know too. And so a lot of times you get excited, like with most things when you think, oh, hey, I can talk about this with this person expecting them to know. And I think a lot of guys kind of got a little uncomfortable about it. Like they felt, I don't know, they felt uncomfortable. Of course. <laughs> getting into that station and maybe not knowing as much. And I'm not like some, you know, there's plenty of people that are extremely knowledgeable. I have, you know, a decent amount of information about about things. But, um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Because you think, you know, it's like trying to talk to a, a guy you think he's going to know about sports or something. And then when they don't, you know, you're like, oh, okay. That was a bust. <laughs> or, I, you know, I, I ruined that. <laughs> you're like, don't so. say it. It's like, hey, there's something wrong with my car. And to go through all these symptoms, you're like, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You know, have you tried this? And it's like, damn, I said it. It literally happened to me um, not too long ago, and um, I was with a friend, and he has this beautiful GTO of all of all cars, like beautiful classic GTO, and he hit something while we were driving, and I'm like, that's bad. And he's like, oh, no, I think, you know, it's just, and I'm like, no, I think we should pull over and check. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. We get there. Sure enough. He hit something and it punctured the radiator. Oh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> it's leaking all over. And he's like, oh my gosh, I wonder, you know, how long now I'm like, you know, now it's empty. So it was just one of those things. Right. And he thought he could drive it somewhere. And I'm like, you are crazy. This is all members matching. Like, you're going to, you can't drive this car without it having any coolant in it. But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's one of those things where, I don't know. I, I guess I'd equate it to like a man trying to tell a woman about like, some, this is going to be really sexist, but like about cooking or something, you know, something that they think the other person shouldn't be telling them about. But, no, I mean, you're right. Because it's society, <laughs> it's a societal thing, right? Like society tells us that cars are a guy saying, although there's women in motorsports, there's women who know a lot about cars, but that's just, it's, it's like the, the sports example you brought up earlier. You know, we're supposed to know everything about football, you know, and so you get these, you know, female sports broadcasters that know everything. And I'm always, always wonder with them too. I'm like, man, like their boyfriend or, or girlfriend, I guess, in 2022 or whatever, 
do they even try to talk sports with them or they know that they don't, they're going to lose those, you know, those conversations. And so I don't know, I think it's neat, but you know, it kind of brings this an, another topic up about you know, women in the car scene. And I think we're kind of learning, you know, how big of a struggle is it, especially with social media, in your opinion, what is it that people want to see and what is, what is it that they're actually getting in the, and I'll give you an example, you know, so in the case of, you know, there's a few women on Instagram that are super popular that actually know their stuff. They're not just a pretty face. And then there's some on there that are just a pretty face and don't know shit. You have to see that stuff going on. You know, what is kind of your thoughts on, on some of those things and some of the struggles? Right. Well, I think first and foremost, I think it's just in any situation, any dynamic, be it sport, career, hobby, or otherwise, when people are getting, you know, fame, notoriety, making money, getting opportunities that don't seem equitable, like don't seem earned. I think that that sends the wrong message to any, you know, everybody. So be it male or female. So that's tough. And I think that's, that's a lot of what leads to that, I don't know, the, the negative, you know, reactions that some of those people get. But uh, as far as like what you raise with knowledgeable people who are, who are present and doing well, and then people who maybe aren't, I think the hard part is just being received, you know, yeah. uh, at face value, I guess. And there's always a lot of questions, I think, that go behind people's motives for their involvement, especially in the automotive space, especially with something that's so, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a visual representation for so many people of success that the passion behind what cars or, you know, autos have for so many of us is lost. And so, I think that's the the added dynamic to all of that that makes it really hard, uh, again, for male or or female. But I think as women, as a woman in this space, you know, there's a lot. (laughs) There's there's several opportunities to be misunderstood or misreceived because of that expectation that cars are, you know, a guy thing. And so automatically as, as a woman in the space, people already have questions like, well, why are you here? You know? Mm-hmm. So as, you know, operating from that standpoint, there's a lot of women who go in and they try to focus only on, you know, their knowledge of cars and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's, there's, I was with a group of women yesterday and some of these women, like they know everything about cars, uh, all the, you know, stats and, and history behind all these different cars. And some of these people are in great positions related, you know, are in great positions because they are so informed and knowledgeable and others, it's purely a passion for them. And, and it's great that they're there and out there and, um, you know, that they're examples for others, but then you have people who are, are just there to be there as a social event or status event. And, you know, I guess that's fine too. The hard part is, you know, like I said, because as a woman, there's a question about what's your intention here. It's hard to just operate freely sometimes without being received in a negative way. And I think 
there have become more and more women who are around death as a status piece because of social media and not there because they really, really, truly are into the cars. And so that makes it tricky. But, you know, I think that's to be said about anything. When something's popularized, there's a lot of bandwagon people. You said something earlier about not really wanting to be in the photos, and that's kind of where Heels and Clutch kind of came from. Why is that? Um, I mean, I, I, in general, I don't like taking pictures just personal, not even because of, not that I don't like taking pictures. I, it just feels very awkward to me. Yeah. It feels like a very awkward thing, taking photos, because it's like you want everything to be presented, you know, in a certain way, and there's no redos, like with a conversation. You can take a minute or you can say, you know what, I, that's not really what I meant. And so a photo, you don't really get to do that. So I don't know. I think growing up before social media, you know, we didn't take that many pictures. Uh, at least I didn't. So wasn't crazy about taking pictures, but I, I changed that because on the page, I used to just post a ton of pictures of cars and of shoes, not necessarily myself in either. Right. And a ton of people that were like, Hey bro, dude, I love your page. <laughs> yeah. Where do you get these tricks? And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> um, I'm not a he, I'm a she. And, and so then it was like, Oh, you know, then people didn't know like, Oh, you know, you like women. I'm like, what? No, 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 no. So I was like, okay, you know, this is, you know, it, it purely was a hobby has been a hobby for me, um, but I didn't want to misrepresent myself. Right. So, not that I cared too much about people what had to say about what I was putting out there, but I I did want to represent myself as authentically as possible. So, so then I started sharing more photos of myself and including myself more on the page. If I may, I would say it's it's a nice balance because you have to balance between here's me and here's a car here or here's a car and I'm here. Like it's kind of right in the middle because I think a lot of social media, you're trying to sell yourself, not only, not just the subject. And in your case, it's more, here's all these cars I'm into. And by the way, here I am responsible, success driven woman. And I just happen to be into cars. So I think it's kind of like that nice, you're, you're hitting that nice middle ground. But where do you want to go from there with that? Like, is this, I mean, the, the Instagram that is heels and clutch, is it just going to be kind of casually what it is? Cause you could blow it up really big or you could just not post that much. And then of course, a lot of that is up to the people, not up to you as far right. as where it goes. I think that's, I'm like, that's an interesting question. I'm like, what do you think? Like when you say like, you could, you could blow it up really big. I'm like, what would that, what would that even look like to you? You know, I'm not sure <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> the woman, you know, the, the, the female influencers out there, you know, they're, they're all over the place, but you're kind of really quietly there. Like, Hey guys, here I am. Here's these Aston Martins. Right. Here's these events that I'm doing with Ginny and, and the other women of, of the car culture, but not the ones who are always in your face all the time for better or for worse. Right. Um, I think the different. I, I mean, like I said, it's been something that's just passion of mine. There has been some great opportunities for me in it. 
you know, I've been contacted by several brands and, and things like that and I've done things with them on occasion. And I think it's allowed me to keep it as something that I still really enjoy. It's purely for the love and I can be really authentic. I also don't have any agenda of sorts besides just sharing out of love. And so I do really appreciate that I'm able to operate in that space. It doesn't mean that that can't grow, but I am cognizant of, you know, keeping the skills and balance there and not allowing it to become work. And what I mean by that is not cars becoming work, but Mm. if people feel like they have to put out content or they feel like they have to do all these new creative trends to be relevant, uh, I know that my stuff isn't, you know, the most (laughs) cutting edge, you know, videos or I don't have a bunch of, you know, professional photographers that come through and things like that. Most of my stuff is filmed by my daughter, Kaya, or my son, Cole, or something like that. Um, you know, they might do the, the recording and I might edit it when I have time, when I'm not focused on real life. So that's the jerky part is keeping it in that sweet spot for me. But if that, you know, when I, when I have the opportunities to expand on it, I do. You know, which which I love. I love that I can do that and have that um, and keep it pure that way that I don't feel like I'm forced to do anything or say anything, you know. And I think that's why some of those influencers feel so pushy. It's probably because they are because, you know, it's tied to finances or, you know, they've got to keep their views up if they want to keep their check flowing. And so uh, not that anything's wrong with that, but I, I kind of like it the way it is for me right now, at least you know, with the way I'm able to, to manage things. I think a lot of people would be envious of that, having that freedom. Cause you're right. As a content producer myself, who isn't consistent enough because I have a thousand other different things. Really. My podcast is the only thing I'm consistent at because it's not that it makes me any money, but it's something that I know people are, are looking for. And then I, you know, I brought on some financial sponsors or financial partners because that's in a weird way, my way of keeping myself accountable because, right. you know, without them, I'm like, I don't feel like recording this week. Oh, wait a minute. Someone paid me a little bit of money. I better record because other people are counting on me, you know, to get this product out and I better give them something that's, that's good. So I think you kind of having that freedom, it's a big deal because you're right. Once you get to the certain levels of some of these people, you know, like the Miss Amelia's out there and, and others, you know, you're only a few weeks away from falling way down this hole that's going to take you forever to climb out of. Right. And it's uh, like, like I'd say something that I noticed was when I used to post uh, as far as like putting content out there and stuff like that, not just the frequency, but the uh, content, the contents of your content. At one time posting um, more things that had, you know, like more women and, and really, you know, sexy clothes and things like that. I lost a ton of followers when I did that, when I stopped posting yeah. all of those kind of pictures. Um, and those, most of those pictures were of other people because I wasn't going to do all of that. Sure. You know, I don't mind a, a sexy picture here or there, but that's not what this was about. Right. You know, I don't have any showing like, this is me. I'm a real person. This is what I look like. I'm not, you know, Photoshopped or filtered or whatever. This is me. But that's not what this page was about to begin with. And it's not going to become that because that's what's going to bring me a bunch of followers. 
I'm not here for that. So when I stopped posting that stuff, I can see my my follower count on Instagram dwindled drastically, actually. But uh, I think you know it's it's important for people to have their have a good reason and be able to stick to whatever that reason is for you. And um, you know, if it's something really authentic, I think people connect with that. And as much as we think that we can edit and filter and you know Photoshop stuff. You can't trick people as much as you think you can. You know, people uh, recognize that stuff pretty quick. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, I think that's hard for anybody, you know, to, to keep authenticity if, if it's, they start losing the love for something. So I try to keep it in the place where I just, I love what I'm doing. So that's the rub though. You know, that's that, that's that weird little kind of teeter totter of doing the social media because if people, because it sounds like people are there for you. And I, I came to that same conclusion a couple of years ago and I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm done with the car show scene. You know, before it was, I need all these photos on my Instagram, pay for these photo shoots because I have sponsors and now I don't, have, and now I can just post like if the, the, the history of my timeline is all my car and a few other cars. And eventually you get to see me and my, my recently deceased dog and, and a bunch of other things, because at some point it's like, well, you guys, now you get J. You're no longer getting NA2 NSX. Now you get J, and this is what you're going to live with. And if you don't like it, then unfollow and go somewhere else. And I think on your page, it's kind of the same deal, where now you're getting El Victoria. You're not getting, you know, all these other stuff that was fine at the time, but it just wasn't as authentic in, in you. So that's, that's the teeter-totter that I was saying, because now, if they're there for you, now you have to show you more. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that, that weird balance. Right. <laughs> yeah, that progression. And then I think with, you know, people who are involved in the car scene too, I think part of it got stale because, you know, it was just a flood of all this automotive material. And it's like, okay, well, what, what makes your stuff special or different than someone else's, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's an easy, you know, wave to get lost in. Um, and so I think, to your point, a lot of the people who are still around, it's surely beyond just the cars because you can just Google pictures and stats if that's what you're really looking for. And so if it's perspective, I think there's some people that, you know, people come to because they have insights that they can't find other places or maybe they really trust that those people are are going to give them, you know, an unbiased look at something or insight at, you know, some aspect of some car or what it's like and not, you know, be just a paid advertisement or some maker or something, you know? And I think people build a relationship on that basis as they come to you and they're like, oh, okay, I, I, I feel like I can trust this person or I like this person's perspective. So I'm sure that's why people come back to you too. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, you said earlier, <laughs> social event versus status event. What did you mean by that? Uh, like, there's a difference when, like, and I, I'll use like a, a a big car event. So let's say when they host something at the Peterson Automotive Museum, and you have this amazing collection of cars that most people would be lucky to see once in a lifetime somewhere one of the one of these cars 
some of these cars are so rare and you know or and then to have such a like a large collection of cars in one space that we can walk around in one morning and see hundreds of amazing cars that some people might never see in their lifetime um and there's plenty of us who go to events like that and we're truly in awe and we want to you know, take in as much as we can in person about this particular car and see, you know, what it looks like. How, what is it, you know, does it have panel caps in person, you know, or mm-hmm. just, uh, what the, you know, see the, the carbon fiber in the daylight and not in a photo, uh, like little things like that. And then you'll have people that come to the same event and they're there just to take a selfie, to say that they're there, they're there to be seen amongst all these amazing cars or amongst the people that uh, may own or drive these amazing cars. And so I think there's a lot that just has to do with intention there. And if your intention is to go and to appreciate the venue or, or just to see friends, you know, to be amongst people in the same you know, excitement that have the same interests. Like, like if you were at a sporting event and everybody there is also a Laker fan, everybody isn't necessarily as educated about all the stats of all the players, where they played, how long they've played, where they went to school. Everybody doesn't know all of the same details, but they might still have this huge love and affinity for the team. And I think that can be said about people who are into cars. Everybody doesn't have the same, you know, knowledge base, uh, but that doesn't mean that they, they don't, you know, profoundly love cars. And people that go to events for those reasons, I think, is, is one thing for it to be like a social event in that regard, that it's a, a part, a feeling of community, to be amongst other people that get it, other people that get excited when they see cars, even if they're, you know, not the same type, but just to be around like-minded people in that way. And then the other side that you were asking about is people who look at it as a status symbol to be at a place like that, around cars like that, uh, just because of the, the value in the, these cars that are there. If they're really expensive cars, if it seems like it's an elite you know, or posh event to attend, and not because they're really into cars at all, but just to be there like a red carpet event or something that maybe they don't really care about what's happening. It's just to say that they were there. And so I think there's, you know, a lot of that second, a ladder that's been coming. And I probably can't speak as much to why that is because I don't understand it as much. You know, I can understand sure. wanting to go somewhere cool and, and to... um be it in a, in a new environment that's exciting, something that maybe you don't know about so much, but um, I think that that's been happening a lot and that kind of changes the the atmosphere at some of the car events um, when there's, you know, more and more people of that mindset that are there, there's less that community feel that takes place. And so I kind of seen things change uh, I'd say for sure, just prior to COVID, that was happening a lot, and I think a lot of a lot of people I knew kind of got turned off by that. And uh, with COVID, I think we saw people get excited to come back, you know, after the uh, lockdowns and everything. So 
I don't know. It's kind of neat to see where it's going right now. I think social media really picked up even more since then, but I don't know. I think you've laid that out extremely well, especially with the basketball uh, example. I'm thinking <laughs> cars and coffee versus the quail and, and pebble. And you can be both at the quail and pebble, but you're probably not going to get a lot of the status seekers at just your neighborhood cars and coffee. So that's like perfect example. <laughs> I would say you might be surprised. I agree with you. I definitely feel that way with quail and pebble. Like, oh my gosh, that's just, it was crazy to see how that changed so dramatically in, I, I would guess maybe like a five year span where, you know, and I, I really think that social media has time to do with that because there mm-hmm. were people I knew they had no interest in going whatsoever. And then when it became this posh event and, you know, their wives wanted to go out and wear fancy hats and still, <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden it was this big push to go, um, you know, and so that became a thing of like, well, who's here? Not mm-hmm. what cars are going to be. And so, like I said, everyone has their own, they have their own reasons. Um, reasons for going, but it's just something that wasn't so prevalent before. And it's, like I said, changed the atmosphere dramatically at even events like that. It's funny because I'm even, I'm guilty of that in a certain sense where, you know, the first couple of times I go out to like the accurate reception and I come back, I'm like, I'm telling my wife, yeah, so-and-so was there, so-and-so was there. He's like, I want to go next time. I'm like, hell no, you're not going. You don't care anything about that. You just want to be, that's just, that's just expensive. You know, and so I end up finding like one of my old friends, I'll, I'll scroll down my contacts. I'm like, who would, who would actually appreciate going? Like who really would really appreciate going? And then I'll reach out to that person and be like, Hey, you want to like to hang out with me for a weekend? You know, kind of deal. It's, it's, it's really funny. Right. I think that even like the the uh, manufacturers figured that out because I had up at Pebble and Quail this year, uh, everything at Car Week, they changed a lot of having those big, huge parties that were enticing people to come. There weren't as many of those events as there used to be in the past. And I think that that's a part of why they realized there were just a lot of people who wanted to go to a really cool party and maybe they weren't as interested in the cars themselves. So, and I'm not going to like rag on people like, yeah, I, I love getting dressed up. I love going to parties. Sure. Um, you know, I think most people, most people would enjoy going out and having a good time. And if you get to be amongst people that you enjoy or you get to be somewhere awesome, like most people would be excited to do that too. I think just because before it was so focused on the cars that, you know, some of that was starting to get lost. And I think that's why the changes came, but I don't know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do for that next. Like, you know, what's going to come of that? Are there going to be more experiences tied into things? I think that would be really awesome. What is up with you and Aston Martin? Are those, is that just a, a love or do you have kind of a relationship with Aston? It's just a love, just a love. I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't know that I have any special relationship beyond just having one, um, I, I'd ordered one, I'd ordered another one and I got impatient and I started doing some, uh, 
I had to make some some life choices <laughs> mm. on things that I was going to be buying. Um, but no, with with Aston, uh, honestly, is just I've loved Aston Martin since I was young. I'd watch all the James Bond and stuff with my dad. <laughs> sure. Hell yeah. Like, it was like the pinnacle of like, you know, the coolest, sexiest car that you could have, in my opinion, because it was performance, but it was also luxury. And, you know, I remember at one time being really infatuated with Ferraris and Porsches. Uh, but then it was like, you know, to me, there were like two like amazing vehicles to have. One would be a Rolls Royce and the other would be an Aston Martin. And so, you know, Rolls Royce is, is definitely um, still an amazing car, but it's, it's definitely not as fun to drive as an Aston. So uh, that was just always like a life goal dream. But uh, I ended up getting something else instead of the other Aston. So, so yeah, you can ask me about that. <laughs> so what are you getting? Oh, I already got it. I uh, I got a 718 Spider, a manual. I was just trying to round out my garage, and I was like, well, let's see. You know, what, what can we do here? Uh, I have the GLC 63, and that's a great, you know, it's a great little combo car for me. Checks a lot of boxes. And then I have the Aston. TV 11, TV 12, great, I love it, but Hill and Clutch, you know, going back to, <laughs> to kind of how that, <laughs> kind of be hard to be Hills and Clutch when you don't really have, you know, Clutch. clutch. Right. So, uh, I'd sold the manual car that I had back in 2020 because I wasn't really driving it and it was getting high in miles and I found a good home for it. Someone who I knew would would love it and be able to take really good care of it. So, um, so I sold it then and have been itching since. And uh, my son was not very happy with me because it's what he wanted to get. Oh. <laughs> but he's been sick <laughs> But I found, you know, it was just it was just a, a perfect, amazing timing for me and dealing with some other things. And they couldn't get the car to me. The 707 that I ordered was just taking forever. And it's the SUV, right? Yes, it was. So um, I guess it's, you know, kind of, I don't say, you know, silver lining or something mm -hmm. of that situation. Because uh, I was in love with a car. I was going to sell my GLC 63 for it. But I don't know. I was just like, I really want a manual car and I can grab this the GLC and you know check all my boxes so now I'm back a part of the Porsche family again it's been a while what is your elusive like what is your dream Aston Martin or do you just go out and get whatever you know vehicle you want as far as I mean within I mean I don't know what your your financial status is so I'm gonna say within reason <laughs> Because you mean you could have a Vulcan, um, you know what I mean? But you mean you didn't mention it, but you could have one. But like, what's your, what's your dream, Aston? Oh gosh, I I mean I think the the new Valhalla is just incredible. I think that's incredibly beautiful car. 
you know, it's funny because I don't think of Aston Martin as being a race car. And so it's hard because like something like the Vulcan, which I can appreciate, like, you know, like the, the grit and everything that it has and how aggressive that car is. But I also, that's not when I think of Aston Martin, that is not what I think of. You know, I think of like polished poise, you know, extremely capable, but not like a brute. And so I feel like the Vulcan is, is definitely more of like a brute. And it so is. that's when I when it comes to mine and I, I say the Valhalla is beautiful and gorgeous. That would be something I think is amazing. Um, when I saw the new the V12 Vantage Spider that they had, or you know, I thought Volante, I'm not sure what they're calling it. They're convertible. Mm-hmm. That car is beautiful. It is beautiful. And I was just heartbroken here that they were already all gone. <laughs> they're just, you know, uh, they're all gone. And um, so that's, a, that's another a close second but to have a V12 uh, an advantage. Is, that's incredible. Uh, those are amazing cars, beautiful cars, and to have that much power in one. So, yeah, I have a, two, be- I have a couple of those as well. Mine are a little older. I, I love the O two to O six V twelve Vanquish. I don't care if it has <laughs> some inherent issues. That is a car that I was. I've been teasing on social media as if my NSX didn't come through. I'm seriously gonna attack one of those vehicles, and then of course you know the DBS. You know, like 08, I think 09, whatever Daniel Craig had in that James Bond. I'm just, that's what I think of when I think of Aston Martin. It's just those, and of course the old, the old Bond Aston Martin. I'm just like, I just, I need those cars. I need one of those cars in my life. <laughs> yeah, like, right? And I don't know if it's seeing it on film or what it what it does. Well, I mean, it, actually it does. Seeing a car in a movie and, and you know, you kind of emotional about it. I think we saw that for sure with, the B Camaro that had come out back in Transformers, like everybody, you know, fell in love with that car a lot. You know, to do not that it wasn't a beautiful car, but that movie definitely, um, you know, I think created some more fans as well. And I, I think there's no denying that Aspen hasn't reaped heavily the benefit of James Bond. <laughs> I, I tell you, I mean, I have to have that. I want the machine gun turrets and stuff too. Um, <laughs> so you love the you love the Valhalla, twenty twenty four hybrid, I believe, right? But Aston Martin has announced yeah. that twenty twenty five is going to be their first full EV electrification. You just reestablish your whole hills and clutch status with the Porsche. What do you think is going to happen with electrification in the future of and and how people drive? And I ask that because I've always said of Tesla. You know, Elon Musk isn't a car guy. He's a transportation guy. And hopefully EVs will still give you that analog feel, even though we know they're electric. So in, in knowing that, you know, what are some of your thoughts of the electrification movement? I hate it. That's fair. Um, I hate it. I um, I mean, there's a, there's a whole other side to I mean, just obviously what it's doing for manufacturers, but I think a lot of the reasoning behind people are that that so many people feel like they have to go that route. Um, 
that's a different conversation that I, but I, I feel like it's unwarranted. It's just transferring one, one issue from the left hand to the right hand. Mm-hmm. It's not really solving. Um, and so to have that big change take place and a lot of people are latching onto it with the idea that it's better for the environment. And we don't even know whether, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it litter is just transferring from one mm-hmm. thing to the other. But um, regardless of, of that, I think a lot of people are also just incredibly busy and they're looking for ways to simplify their lives. Most people, you know, most people work. Most people have families. Most people are trying to cut time in, in things. And I believe that they have this belief that like a lot of technology, you know, a lot of times people think technology makes your life easy and better in some way. But usually, from my experience, it just transfers it from one thing to the other. And so a, a lame example I'll give of that is, you know, a lot of people do things where they, they don't have to manually do a lot of work. They have those Roombas that move around their house and sweep the floor with them <laughs> for them, um, you know, or they, ha- you know, have, I don't know, someone come and cut their grass or something. But mm. um, then we end up having to go to the gym to exercise, <laughs> you know, because we're not moving and using our body. But we have the opportunity to do plenty of these things. But for some reason, we think that technology is going to be better for us when, you know, or we think that it saves our time. I think the room is a, a better example. If you go and sweep your house yourself, you know, you clean your house yourself, you probably won't have to do arms that day. I'm not saying it's going to replace like a full body workout, but we're doing more things for ourselves. You know, we're not moving that time to somewhere else or you don't have to go to the gym and do this. So I see it just as like as an analogy of we're trading one thing from the, for the other. And a lot of people uh, I've heard, you know, think that these electric cars, Teslas make their lives easier, but you know, a lot of people also live in apartment buildings. So I don't know where they, you know, charge their cars. Um, True. <laughs> I I don't like electric cars. Um, I don't think that they're as great for the environment as people think they are. And I think if people looked further into it, they'd realize they really aren't. Um, We've made a lot of great progress as far as emissions and things like that. Um, You know, how dangerous the batteries are, how flammable they are, how hard it is to put them out if they catch fire, how like dangerous that could really be. And would you, would you want something, a whole parking garage full of those under your apartment? I think people would say no, you know, let alone one or two in your garage of your home. Um, mining the batteries, how bad that is. I could go on and on. Um, so as far as the environmental offset, it's not that great. Not as great as people think it is. Um, and then as far as the enjoyment and the connectivity and the accountability for being a good driver yourself, being present in the moment while you're out on the road, there's definitely no substitute for that than driving a manual. If everybody drove a manual car, the highways would be much safer because people wouldn't be as distracted. <laughs> people That's wouldn't true. easily be on their phone yeah. or doing the makeup or eating food or whatever they're doing in their car. It's far more difficult to do that when you've got to manage a manual transmission. So, uh, (laughs) 
Um, so that's one reason, but the sheer joy is, you know, for, for people who can find enjoyment in, you know, moving about on the highways, uh, the roads, on their own, there's no substitute for that in an electric car. There just isn't, there's no amount of sound or speed that make up for it. So, yeah, we saw that new, what was that new Dodge that came out with the really funny growling noise that it was making? Yes, the new charger, I think. It's like an EV charger. And you can program it to, oh, like, yeah, that's funny. Oh, this is so funny. That was too good. Yeah. Who is all Victoria outside of the car world? Because it looks like you're attached to a few different things here, and you're a patented inventor. What did you invent? <laughs> um, I invented some things that are beauty healthcare-like products, things that have to do with, like, air extensions and things like that. So nothing that sexy or fun. Uh, some I've licensed out. Others I think I may eventually uh, bring to market myself. But um, So I've done a few of those. I have like seven different patents. Um, I, at one time, owned a building and safety consulting company. Uh, very Again, very exciting stuff. Um, not at all (laughs) but you know but definitely uh, something needed and something that you know is something that you could be proud of doing and you know knowing that you did something to keep uh, people safe and uh, especially uh, most of my clients were school districts so that was good to know that I, I ensured that our kids had a safe building or playground or something to be on. So that was pretty cool. Um, but that uh, I sold that company in 2018. And I've since been a partner, a silent partner in um, a related company, also in architectural services company. So still involved in that. So that's, uh, you know, what, what pays the bills and keeps the lights on, but it also uh, being a silent partner and that now allows me to focus on my family, which for me is, you know, primarily my children who are basically adult children (laughs) Um, at this point in time, but I have a son and two daughters and, uh, you know, two of which, my older two, very much involved and appreciate cars. Uh, The younger one, coming around a little more she gets older but she's 18 and drives herself now and i think now is finding more appreciation in cars um she's always been kind of a car snob though it's like if it wasn't a ferrari <laughs> or lamborghini after her so she's learning about that now some humble pie herself. Sure. <laughs> but um so primarily um uh, first and foremost the most important thing to me is my family so i spent a lot of time with with my family being a daughter uh, and a sister and, you know, a mother. So, and then my extended family, my best of friends. So I spent a lot of time with my, with my friends and my family. And lastly, and it'll be coming out soon. I wrote a book. So super excited about that. I've been trying to get things set up so I can do, you know, a friends and family book release party and to have an event to like, you know, signify this, this accomplishment of mine that I'm happy to say I did and I finished and it took forever. <laughs> um, and that 
is called All She Wants. All She Wants. And All She Wants. So I'm super excited about that. And, you know, it kind of, you know, it's, it's a great story. And I think for anyone who, I, I dedicated the, the book to anybody who was pursuing, uh, you know, finding and creating their own happiness. And, you know, my life definitely unconventional, you know, whether, oh, because I'm an inventor or, you know, I had a own company in the construction field as a, as a minority woman. Um, a lot of those things being involved in, in cars and things that I'm involved in, it's not standard, normal, you know, woman's story. Sure. Yeah. But I think a lot, a lot of people can relate to, you know, wanting to try something or wanting to do something and having apprehensions about it. And so it's kind of a story that talks about that with um, also some heavy aspects of finding, creating your own love and not just love interest in regards of hobbies or work, but with the person that you love to. So I'm excited about that. Um, but that's me, you know, I'm from Rancho Cucamonga, uh, which used to sound like a crazy thing that to be excited or proud of, but I know that being from a place that people didn't think was real <laughs> or, uh, you know, a quiet place that was kind of out in the middle of, of nowhere, I really uh, can Want, would thank my parents for allowing me to grow up in a place like that where how you treated people mattered, you know, knowing, you know, and trusting in your neighbor, that so stuff true. mattered, you know, and it's not what you have that matters, it's who you are. And mm. despite how I be perceived on social media, those are just cars. And I have insurance and I can replace. I enjoy them. They bring me much happiness. They've brought a lot of amazing people into my life or, or things into my life. But what matters most to me are the people in my life and how those people treat each other and how they feel and, and what the world is like for them. And so, um, you know, um, that's me. That's El Victoria. That's fantastic. We have to get you on my friend Wes's podcast, Shaping Success, because you just unpacked a lot of stuff there that uh, I would love to learn more about. And that is, we could talk here for another hour, but that is <laughs> absolutely because he's going to be just chomping at the bits. Like, oh my God, I got to get her on the show. It's like, Wes, I know you're listening. <laughs> book it. We, we got to book heels and clutch. We, got, we have to learn about all this stuff because. Man, there's just a lot. We could spend another hour, like I said. But, oh, Victoria, how do we find you outside of just Heels and Clutch? Or is that really the best way? Oh, that's the best way to find me is through the Instagram, Heels and Clutch. I recently created a TikTok. I still am learning how to use it. So, <laughs> so that's funny. Um, um, my email is Heels and Clutch, H-E-E-L-S-N-C-L-U-T-C-H at gmail.com. So that's the bulk of that. And pretty soon I'll have, um, I also have my Instagram, which is still private. But if you come on, I'll, I'll accept the, the follow request, all she wants dot book. That's on Instagram also. Um, but yeah, Hills and Clutch was the best way to get a hold of me. 
Oh, Victoria, thank you so much for joining Hard Parking. Thank you so much for having me. Like anytime, I'm glad to get on and talk. And if you want to dig into some other cars in particular or something, I'd be, be so pumped to do it. So, yeah. Be careful. I will absolutely take you up on that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jay. I want to thank the lovely Elle Victoria for joining the show. That conversation was brought to you by the Cell Shop in Arizona-based retailer that strives to be your destination of choice for wireless services, whether Arizona or Washington State. They're an authorized AT&T dealer, so visit them at cellshop.us and get connected today. Well, wow, that was amazing. Quality of the, the call wasn't as good as I, uh, as I like. You guys know that, but can't do anything about that. Garbage in, garbage out. Just got done doing a... A charity car show off the heels of having NS Expo last weekend. So a handful of the local NSX guys and a bunch of other people too, but you know, I only care about the NSX guys. We all gathered up. We had four type S's there, six total NC one platform NSX's. It's funny because 350 type S's in the world, we had four of them at this event and it was really cool. Went to a high school player. He lost his mother. It went to the volleyball team, but the high school player recently lost his mother, and so this charity was to raise money to support him through sports this year. Always excited to be a part of it. Hardparkingpod.com has officially launched a couple weeks ago just before NS Expo, so tell all your friends. Tell your friends about this excellent podcast. Say, hey, go to hardparkingpod.com. You no longer have to say, well, go to Apple and look for Hard Parking with Jay Finning or go to anchor.fm. None of that. I want to thank Right Honda and Right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona, Four Wheel Online, Cell Shop Wireless Services that you just heard of, and Westgate Exotic Cars and Rentals, Patreon Business Supporter, Korea Automotive out of Warren Garden, Florida, Powell Construction out of Colony, Michigan, Big House Small Home Design, Ashbury, Virginia, Traverse City, Michigan. Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bo Jong, Alice Gamina, Andrew Bunkley. Thank you so much for financially sponsoring the show. If you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, join the Patreon for as little as a month. Get show swag. If you're interested in picking up a hard parking podcast shirt, still making them, still going to donate the proceeds, just send me an email, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com, or I don't even think I have a contact me on my website. I got to fix that. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning, J-H-A-E-P-F-E-N-N-I-N-G. The name is on the podcast. Join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook page. And remember, I can't grow without you telling the world how great the show is. So let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. And we'll talk to you all next week. Shut up! (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that.